kind of tell you what's going to happen. But that's a little heads up for next Sunday. Okay, let me ask a question. I wonder, how would you describe the Christian life? If someone asked you, what's it like to be a Christian? If someone said to you, how do you sum up being a Christian? You know, what what Max and Stella and Joanna and Ananis have committed to today, to following Jesus today and for the rest of the life with the help of the Holy Spirit. How would you describe what life they're going to see in the coming months and years? Now, many people would say, well, it's going to be a dull life. It's going to be a a boring life. It's going to be a life of killjoy. It's going to be a life of legalism and rules. But I want to put to you this morning that to be a Christian is to join the adventure. That's what I want you to take away from this morning. That to be a follower of Jesus is to join the adventure. Who here likes theme parks? Do you like theme parks? I love theme parks. I haven't been to one since lockdown uh, and all that happened a couple of years ago. But I love, love, love theme parks kind of roller coasters, however many twists and turns you want, Colossus and all of these incredible roller coasters. Love it. Absolute adrenaline junkie. That's me. I love theme parks, log fumes, whatever it is. And and I have this, this picture of what kind of being a Christian is. And for me, being a Christian is you become a Christian. You put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like you get a ticket into a theme park. You're in this huge theme park. You've got your place in heaven sorted, but but then you need to work out how are you going to live your life on this earth? And so many Christians then decide in the theme park that they'll take life easy. They'll go to the teacup ride and they'll sit there all the days of their life just going round and round and round and round. That it is a dull and boring life because they've chosen the predictable path of this round and round monotonous teacup ride. I think when we're believers in Christ Jesus, when we put our faith and trust in him, we have the ticket to heaven. We're to then choose the roller coaster. We're to choose adventure. We're to choose the exhilaration, the ups and the downs. Look at this definition of adventure. If you type in adventure to Google or you go to your dictionary, it says that adventure is an unusual and exciting, typically hazardous experience or activity. I think that's a great definition of the Christian life, the life lived with Jesus. And my challenge to each one of us this morning is to come and join the adventure. Because as human beings, we are made for adventure. God created you to discover new things in life. God created you to grow and experience new things. There was a survey that was done of 50 people who were aged 95 or above. So you're talking almost 5,000 years of experience. And they were asked the question, If you had your life all over again, what would you do differently? And these are the three top answers. Do more things that live on after we die. Reflect more. 
and top of the list by miles was we would risk more. We would risk more. In other words, looking back on 95 years of someone's life, they would say that the thing they wished they'd done more was join the adventure, was take a risk. That was the thing they wished they'd done more than anything else. Let me tell you about some significant risks that I took in my life. October 1995, getting on a plane at the age of 19 to go and live in India for eight months with barely a mm -mm of internet, two phone calls in eight months. It was a risk, but it was a huge adventure. January 2000, the risk of organizing a banquet for the homeless at Alexandra Palace the birthday party that Jesus would have wanted, and thinking and worrying about whether anyone would turn up. The greatest risk, the greatest adventure. February the 6th, 2010, the launch of this church, Hope Church. Worrying all night, not sleeping a wink. Would anyone turn up? Would it all crash and burn after a few weeks? You see, we are made for adventure. Children get it, don't they? Children get that they are made for adventure. They go with adventure without any questions. I remember when Levi was very little, he couldn't swim for about two, two and a half years old. He couldn't swim, but he was on the side of the swimming pool and he just walked, pretending to walk on water and fell and just thought it was the most wonderful, joyful thing. I would run and catch him or swim and catch him, put him back on and he would like walk himself off. Hey, this is the greatest adventure again and again and again. In the playground and falling, but she was just made for adventure that she would go again, go again, go again. There wasn't any fear. There wasn't any anxiety. There wasn't any worry. It was just going on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And you see, the life of adventure models Jesus' life. It's easy to forget this. But Jesus' life on earth was a life of adventure. Jesus left his comfortable place in heaven. He left heaven to come to earth to walk on this earth, to live on this earth, to ultimately die on the cross and take our place and then go back to heaven. But those 33 years were a time of adventure. They were a time of challenge. They were a time of ups and downs. It tells us in John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 19, that Jesus followed the Father's promptings. That's what he did. He followed the promptings of his dad. He, when he was healing someone, he was following the prompting of his father. When it was a miracle of provision like feeding of the 5,000, it was following the father's promptings. All the journey to the cross was following the father's promptings. It was a life of adventure. And Jesus says to you and I, he says to each one of us, come, follow me. Come and join the adventure. Come and have life and life in all is fullness. Now, if you're a parent, or having been a child, and you can remember this, parents love to orchestrate opportunities for their children to grow. Think about your child when they're trying to learn to ride a bike. 
You, you orchestrate the opportunity first of putting stabilizers on the bike and getting them to ride the bike with stabilizers. Then, as the parent, you'll take off the stabilizers and you'll kind of like run behind them, holding on to them as they cycle and learn to cycle. All the time, what you're doing is you're, you're orchestrating the opportunity for your child to grow. I remember my daughter, Grace, who loves baking and loves to cook. In the early days, when she wanted to cook, literally all she would do would be stir the bowl because everything else you would do. But out of it would come a cake that Grace had made. As she gets older, as she grows, as she gathers the knowledge, then more and more is what she does and less and less is what you do. But all the time, you're orchestrating opportunities for your children to grow. You want them to grow in emotional resilience. You want them to, to grow in taking responsibility, being able to walk to school, being able to get on the bus. As a parent, you are orchestrating opportunities for your children to grow. And that's what our Heavenly Father does for us. Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says this, we are created for good works which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but that reference that Paul is talking about, created good works, which God has prepared beforehand, is a reference to Middle Eastern times, Middle Eastern customs, when a king would plan his journey and send his servants in front of him to prepare the way. In other words, before the king went on his journey to a particular country, he would send his servants to go before him to check that he's safe, to check that he has all the resources and, and, and things that he needs. There would be an advanced team that would go along the route. And I love that because that's what God wants to do for each one of us. He prepares the way for you for your life. He sets everything up and he strategically thinks, places people and, and opportunities at the right place at the right time. We just need to take those opportunities. We just need to take those cues and join the adventure. God has good works for you. God has prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. He sent the advance party. He wants you to walk in the adventure and all that he has for you. So what I want to do this morning is to just give you very practically three things about joining the adventure. Three things about joining the adventure with Jesus Christ. Number one, the adventure is with Jesus. This might sound incredibly basic and, oh, well, I knew that, Mark, but it's so important to state it. When Jesus went up the mountainside to pray and to call his first disciples, in Mark chapter 3 and verse 14, it says this, he appointed 12, that's the disciples, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Can you see the order? The order is so important. Before you embark on the adventure, before you need to do or say anything, here is the acknowledgement, the wonderful truth that whatever you do in the adventure of life, as a Christian, as a believer, it is with Jesus. The adventure that God has for you 
is not for you on your own. It's for you and Jesus to walk through. There's a truth in life, you know, that, that we is greater than me. That we is greater than me. That sometimes we think that life is marvelous when it's me, myself, and I. But actually, the truth is that we is greater than me. I remember when, when I got married to Jen, suddenly there was this wonderful understanding that though marriage can have its ups and downs and challenges, there was double the joy and there was a division, a dividing of the pain. Then we added Grace to Media and Levi and our energy was divided and saps, but the joy, the joy was tripled. Now, not all of us have the we of marriage or children, but we have the we of church, of a spiritual family. Yes, it's deficient at times. Yes, it lets us down at times, but it is an absolute gift from God. We as Christians are meant to live the adventure of life in the we, the community, the spiritual family of God's people. And we is not just a relational word. It's a word that we can attribute to God himself. Because God himself is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we are invited to be part of that great communion, that great commission. So whatever you face in life, whatever challenges come your way, I want you to know that God is with you and God is for you because Jesus' calling of the first disciples was to be with me. And his final words, Jesus' final words in Matthew 28, were, I am with you always, even to the very end of time. So the first thing I want you to know about joining the adventure is that the adventure is with Jesus. You are never, ever alone. The second thing about joining the adventure is that everyone's adventure is unique. The job you are in, the relationships you have, the circumstances that you find yourself in, the gifts, the talents that God has given you, there's no one else like you. There's no one else with the adventure that God has for you. I think of it like this. I love sport and, and analogies from sport and things like that come very easily. And I think it's very simple in one sense. We are called to run the race that is set before us. We are called to run in the lane that God has put us in. And we are to run the race in the lane that God has placed us in. Not to worry about the person to our left or to our right, but to run the race. Another helpful picture is, you know, our life is a gift. The Christian life is a gift. And I think of Christmas when you see under the tree the big boxes and the small boxes and the funny shaped boxes all wrapped up. Well, God gives you the gift of life, the gift of an adventure. And each adventure is, is wrapped, but is a different shape. And the calling is for us to unwrap the gift, the adventure, the life that God has given us and run with it. Not to compare and say, oh, mine's bigger than theirs or mine's a different shape to theirs. No, no, to take the gift of life, of the adventure that God has given us and to run with it. There's a great example of this right at the end of John 
John chapter 21. I love this piece of scripture. Just to give you the background, um, Jesus has come back to life. Jesus has resurrected. He's appeared to his disciples. He has breakfast on the beach, the beginning of John chapter 21. And then he reinstates Peter. Peter's the one who said that he would uh, never deny Jesus, but he denies him three times. So Jesus has this beautiful exchange where he asks Peter three times, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. And Peter's been reinstated. You think, wow, Jesus has had breakfast on the beach with his disciples. He's reinstated Peter. He's kind of washed away his guilt and failure. And then come these verses. In John chapter 21, verses 20 to 22, the key verse is up there, but I'm just going to read a couple of verses beforehand because I just love this exchange. It's so real, and I think it's what we often do. So John chapter 21, Peter, he's just been reinstated by Jesus. Peter turned, and he saw a disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Now, in case you don't know, the disciple whom Jesus loved is John. John is the one who is writing this gospel. This was the one who had been reclining at a table close to Jesus and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? So we know that, that Peter's just been reinstated. He looks to his left and he sees John. Now listen to these next couple of verses. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? In other words, Peter wants to know what's going to happen to John in the future because he wants to check what's going to happen to him. Because Jesus has said that his Peter's future might be a bit tricky. There might be some challenges ahead. So Peter's like, okay, I can cope with challenges, but what about John? John's my main rival. John's my main dude on who's the closest to Jesus. So I want to know what's going to happen to him because it's okay if bad things are going to happen to me as long as they also happen to John. Okay, that's basically what's happening. And then look at verse 22. Look at how Jesus basically puts him down in a very loving way. He says, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what's that to you? You must follow me. I mean, come on, Jesus. He's saying to Peter, basically, none of your business, mate. None of your business, what happens to John? You worry about your life, your adventure, what I've called you to. I mean, that's it. That's what Jesus says. If I want John to have the easiest possible wonderful life, what's that to you? You get on, Peter, and live the adventure, the life, the calling that I have given to you. You must follow me. I mean, Jesus is on it. He's not having any nonsense from Peter, even after this wonderful moment when Peter's just been reinstated. And notice that Peter's been reinstated. And what's his first thought? His first thought is comparison, 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 comparison. That is Peter's first thought. I mean, you can see the guy with the dinner jacket and the mustache going, go compare. You can just see him just popping up right there. You know, it's like, no, 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 don't compare, Peter. Please don't compare because the greatest enemy to live in the Christian life that God has called you to is comparison. Because let me tell you, when you compare to someone else, you always lose. Here's why. You know your life inside out. 
You know your failings. You know your good points. You know what you do in the dark when no one else sees. You know yourself inside out. But when you compare, you compare everything you know about yourself with the good things you see about others. The bits that they show you, the bits that you see on a Sunday, the bits that you see midweek, the bits that you see that you, oh, I'm terrible compared to X. I'm terrible compared to Y. When you compare, you lose. So the challenge is to understand that the adventure of the Christian life is God is with you. Jesus is with you and you have a unique adventure, a unique package, a unique lane to run in. Every adventure is unique. The adventure to the person on your right is different to the person on your left, to in front of you, behind you, to a family member, to a friend. It is unique. The calling, the adventure that God has put on your life. Third thing, final thing about joining the adventure. We're to choose adventure every day. Every day, we are to make the choice to choose adventure. You see, the Christian life is spelled R-I-S-K. The Christian faith is spelled R-I-S-K. We're to fall forward, secure in the love of God. You know, I love that Jesus' baptism, which is the very first thing, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he was baptized, And what are the Father's words to Jesus? The Father's words are, this is my Son, whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. Okay? That's the first thing that Jesus hears at the beginning of his ministry. In other words, he hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't healed anyone. He hasn't preached. He hasn't done any great miracle. He's not calmed the storm. He's not died on the cross or risen again. He hasn't done any of that. And yet God says, I am well pleased with you. And it is from that security, from that knowledge that we are secure in the love of God that we can then choose adventure. We can choose the adventure of the Christian life. And I think some of us don't get this because there's something we've got the wrong way around. I think many of us can get a bit bored with the Christian life, and this is the reason why. We think that we're following Jesus, but in reality, what we are doing is asking Jesus to follow us, to follow our preferences and our thoughts and our ideas. We've got it the wrong way around. We're called to follow him. I love Galatians, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. And it says it like this. We are to walk by the Spirit. We are to choose every day, sometimes multiple occasions in a day, to walk by the Spirit. If we do that, then you will not sin. If you do that, you'll not have a boring life. You'll have a life full of adventure. There'll be challenges. There'll be ups and downs, but it'll be a life of adventure. You see, you have to understand here, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And I wasn't going to do this, but Alex, could I just just drop you for a minute? Come and stand up here. Just for the sake of argument, not to give him a big head, but this is the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay? Now, what I want you to do in a moment is just to go and walk in that direction in a moment. Okay? So I want you to think of it like this. Here you are in your life. Tuesday morning, you wake up. There's a multitude of decisions before you. And the Holy Spirit, just walk that way, will tell you which way to go. It will guide you and lead you. And you have a choice. The choice is, do you keep in step with the Spirit and walk in step with the Spirit? Thank you, Alex. Or do you go your own way in a completely different direction? That is a choice that we make daily. Like I said, sometimes multiple times. We are to choose to walk, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, to walk in the adventure of life. That way, if we are walking with the Spirit, as it says in Galatians 5.16, you won't be sinning, you won't be doing things that are contrary to God's will if you are walking and keeping in step with the Spirit. You can't do both. You can't be falling apart. You can't. Either you're walking in step with the Spirit or you'll be walking with the flesh. You'll be walking your own way. And it's not the adventure that God has called you to. And I think sometimes in, in 2022 in Christendom, one of the biggest challenges to many of us who've been Christians is that we need to have a fresh understanding that the Christian life, whether you've been a Christian for two months, two years, 20 years, 40 years, it is an adventure. It is an adventure. That is what God has called us to. And we are not to be bored and fall into sin. But rather, we are to take on board that following Jesus is the greatest adventure that you and I were made for. I mean, you read, you read the Gospels. You read the, uh, the book of Acts, the early church. You think it's so exciting. There's so many things going on that God is doing. Yes, because the disciples, the early church, they were walking in the Spirit. They were following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It's what we're called to do. It's what our lives were made for. I found this quote this week. Young people, you might want to listen to this. The guy is an old guy, but old guys sometimes say good things. And this is what the old guy, Francis Schaeffer, said. He said this. One of the greatest injustices we do to our young people is to ask them to be, listen to this, conservative Christians. We're not called to be conservative Christians, but revolutionary Christians. I love that because in his heart, he's saying that there's an adventure to be lived. It's not about making everything so cozy and sorted that you don't do anything wrong. No, no, no. It's about taking on board that there is an adventure, that there is revolution, that there is smashing through the lies of culture, that there is all these things that God has called us to. So let me conclude. The conclusion, the challenge, the, the thread running through this morning is we are to join the adventure. If you're not a Christian, you want to put your faith, your trust in Jesus today and begin the greatest adventure possible. If you are a Christian, I want you to be reminded that in the adventure of life, Jesus is with you. 
As you go to work, Jesus is with you. As you face that, that difficult group of friends where you can never quite seem to be yourself and you can never quite seem to, to, to stand up for what is right and true, Jesus is with you. He has a unique calling on your life, a unique adventure that he has called each of you to. And we are to daily choose adventure. Again, there'll be a day, a moment, a time when you chose Jesus and you chose to follow him. And you chose, like we've heard from Max and Stella and Ananis and Joanna, we, we heard about a moment, a day, a time in their life where they chose to follow Jesus. Many of you will know when that was or, or the season of your life. That's wonderful. That's great. You have a place in heaven, but there's an adventure to be lived on this earth. There's an adventure that God has for you, and that requires daily choices. That requires daily choices of walking in step with the person of the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing adventure. We can pray today and say, Lord, I've had a bit of a boring couple of years, a bit of a boring week or two. I want to choose adventure. I want to be excited. I, I want to know that this week is going to be full of following the Father's promptings. I want to thank you, Lord, that you've gone before me. You've prepared the way. You've given opportunities for me to grow like an earthly parent would their child. Heavenly Father, that's what you would do for me this week. And it might not be easy, and I sometimes might get it wrong, but it's an adventure, and I'm going to grow. And it's an adventure, and I'm going to grow spiritually. I'm going to grow in every area of my life because I'm going to choose adventure. Wonderful. I'm going to pray for two things. I'm going to pray a very short prayer for anyone here today or watching online who maybe has never said yes to following Jesus for the first time. To join the adventure. And then I want to pray for all of us that this week there'd be a freedom to our week, a freedom to our life as Christians, that we would take on board joining the adventure of following Christ.